Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie Omiller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer slips and scores. What You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside. Rambo scores. You're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk, your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the PLT Preview Show, live on Twitter Spaces. Today, I'm joined by Brian Andrews, PLT contributor, and he works on the Bet on Lacrosse Report. Uh, Graham Perro is also going to be joining us. He's the author of NLL Chatter newsletter and the man behind the NLL Facts of the Day Twitter account, if you guys follow that. If not, you should follow it. And then Brendan Glassheen, play-by-play broadcaster for the Albany Firewolves and ESPN National Broadcasts um, off this week, but he will be back on in the near future for sure. Thank you guys for joining. Um, now, COVID has been affecting everyone's lives, and it's impacting the NLL too, with many players landing on the COVID protocol list. So, you know, a lot to discuss in terms of who's landing on the list, who's coming and getting reactivated and such. But uh, overall, you know, the league has been hit a little bit. They've had to postpone a few games, uh, including the Roughnecks for Nighthawks this weekend. But in terms of tonight's game, it's still on. The Mammoth are taking on the Warriors. Um, some big names are out, though, for the Warriors. Keegan Ball, who's been – doing phenomenal the past three weeks um he's out owen barker as well and justin salt and while the mammoth will be missing zed williams um however the mammoth will be getting joey capito back as well after missing last game due to injury but uh, i'll start with you graham uh knowing these guys are out who kind of holds the edge in your mind in this mammoth versus warriors matchup well it's interesting um i've been around the uh, watching the league long enough that uh the idea that the Mammoth and the Warriors are playing, and I'm not just automatically picking the Mammoth because the Warriors have just been terrible for years. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. used to that. But the Warriors have looked really good this year. Uh, and, uh, I mean, their their goal thing has been outstanding. Um, Keegan Ball, as you said, is out, but uh, he's looked really good this year. Mitch Jones is, is playing, you know, MVP caliber lacrosse. Uh, so it, it's, it's certainly a much tougher decision uh, than it has been in the past. Um, just given the fact that that uh, there are players missing on both sides, particularly just like Keegan Ball, uh, I might give a slight edge to the Mammoth here, but uh, it wouldn't be much of one. You know, I think it's going to be a tight game. Um, right now, Mammoth are the favorites, one-and-a-half-point favorites, um, despite the Warriors being at home and despite the Warriors covering in the last three games as underdogs. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on this game, maybe from a betting perspective? Kind of what's the report saying? Uh, originally, I was really liking the total. Uh, we've only seen one line so far that's 20, and that's the lowest that it's been. Um, but in general – when lines have been 21 or under, uh, the record is 8-2 and two for the over. So I was really liking the overplay. But now with so many people out, so like so much production out for the game, as you had brought up at the beginning, it's kind of looking a little bit more dicey. Um, but in general, I actually really like the Warriors in this game, uh, particularly without Zed for the Mammoth, because they've been underscoring, underscoring um, and their defense – has been holding teams to around 10 goals, give or take a goal or two. Uh, So their defense has been really consistent, but their offense needs to catch up. And I think the Warriors uh, will be able to take advantage of that. So I I like the Warriors' money line. I still like the over 20, but 
Uh, it's a little bit dicier with so many people out now. Yeah, no, I also like the Warriors' money line. Um, you know, I, I think now, looking at it, I'd probably just take them at plus one and a half as opposed to on the money line, just given that Keegan Ball is now out, as well as Owen Barker um, and Justin Salt. You know, that, those are some key guys for this Warriors team the past three weeks. Um, and the total's interesting. I, I feel like it's definitely should be low, given the fact that it's Dylan Ward and Alex Buquet, who's been playing lights out the past three weeks, um, going up against each other. So um, I'm expecting it to be kind of low scoring, but is it going to, you know, I still think it might go over that total. 20 is a low total to me, um, you know, in the NLL. It's, we don't see many go under that. As you had pointed out, it's eight and two so far um, this year, but um, that's, that's probably a total I'll probably stay away from. And although I like the Warriors money line initially, um, just given the injuries, and the COVID protocol people, I'd probably lean more to the plus one and a half. You know, they're home underdogs, take the points with them. Um, but I, I don't know if I would take them on the money line just yet. That was one of our favorite plays to start and that you were getting plus money on that play. But right now, you know, not sure if I, I'm willing to, to take that just given the injuries. We'll move on to the next game, Swarms at Wings uh, in Philadelphia. I'll go to you, Brendan. What are your thoughts on this game? You know, the Wings are getting some people back. They're getting Corey Small back. Um, but Vitarelli has landed on the coded protocol list. Uh, Steph Charbonneau, Ian Lord. Um, so they're losing some guys. I know Jackson Subak is also coming back. But, um, you know, again, they're, they're, they've kind of been hit hard. And then we're not sure if Higgins is going to play either after sustaining that injury on um, the last game. There's been a few weeks, and it sounded like he was making a good recovery. But what are your thoughts on this game? Any intel on this one? Yeah, it's uh, pretty fascinating, right? Because they also signed Penny, and who knows who ends up starting <laughs> between the pipes, right? So it's a really fluid situation. Um, it seems like Georgia has kind of steered clear of any uh, of any issues. It, it, it seems right, and um, I don't know. I mean, looking at looking at Georgia, just looking at some of the games played in early the calendar year of 2020, the 1920 season, going back to when these teams met, uh, saw a couple of one-goal games. And what fascinated me was Randy Stotts, who, of course, is no longer with the Swarm. Randy Stotts was the goal scorer, even a facilitator a lot of times in those games, those close one-goal games, a rivalry that's developed uh, between um, between Georgia and Philadelphia, right? Um, but what, what struck me was Lyle Thompson held to one goal in each in two of the three matchups head to head. So it kind of feels like the strategy from Philadelphia's standpoint was let's take away Lyle scoring and force him to be a feeder, which he's excellent at, right? Like he, there's not much he doesn't not do well. Um, so I'm curious after after Lyle and Shane Jackson, um, where does the other scoring come from? And I realize Hall has been productive, Brendan Bomberry as well. Um, Philadelphia's just got so many guys. Like Ben, like ben McIntosh has fit in perfectly. Feels mm-hmm. like he's been playing with those guys for a while. So I think that would be my concern. But then, like you had just mentioned, I guess what, what strikes me now is with a couple of those D guys out for Philly, that could really provide an advantage for Georgia. So I feel like offensively, both teams are still really, really solid. And what also, what also could jump out in this one too, is like faceoffs. Like Baptiste has been, has been, he's Baptiste. He's, he's very solid, but Georgia has been using a handful of guys, right? So possessions will be key to this one. So I know that the, the total of what is hovering, what is it still a 20 and a half? 
It was 20 and a half on Sports Interaction, yeah. Um, so I think it's still there. Yeah, it looks like it's still there. Um, but I know Caesars, you know, the American sports book, they set this at 22. So depending if you're, you know, in Canada or the U.S., uh, you're getting a, a different number. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly, this is the game I, I think I would hit this uh, this over, um, you know, hands down, especially if Higgins isn't playing. Um, you know, that's no disrespect to Penny either if Penny ends up starting um, or Clayton as well. But I, I think that this game's going to be, you know, a lot of possession, a lot of scoring um, from what we've seen from the wings early and obviously the swarm as well. So, um, yeah, I would hit this over. You got any thoughts as well, Brian, on this one? Uh, yeah, a lot. Uh, the wings and the swarm are very unique in that they both are, as Brendan was alluding to, they, they're both scoring a lot, but they're both also letting up some of the most goals per game uh, in the league. Uh and they're very comparable in their numbers. So, like, even on the money line, it, the, the Wings are favored at minus 185 from Caesars, which is, like, a little too low for how dicey of a game this feels, uh, especially with how many guys they have, their level of production. Um, the Wings have never, haven't covered all season yet, uh, so I wouldn't even want to pick them on the spread. So the Swarm kind of looked good on the spread to me. Um, and the, the total goals, if you take uh, their – each team's average goals – and their average goals against and put them together, it comes out to about like 25. So we should expect an over 22, but that line's just close enough that if like some goalie gets hot, you're not going to hit that. If, if, if I had, um, if I was able to go and hit that uh, 20 and a half, I would every day of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. But I expect this to be a really fast paced, like you were saying, really high scoring game. And I think it's going to end up being really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you can get 20 and a half, if you're in Canada, sports interaction, I'm not sure what cool bet is either, but um, definitely I, I would hit that over. 22, yeah, it's a little bit tougher for me. Um, you know, at least you're not getting the hook there, so you could potentially push, you know, if it's, uh, you know, it ends up being a 13 uh, to uh to nine game or something, you know, you never know. But um, for me, I, I wouldn't touch the spread. Uh, I don't like laying points with the wings just because they haven't covered this so far this year. But then again, I do think they're going to win this game. So I don't necessarily want to, um, you know, back the swarm and I'm not going to lay the juice either on the wings on the money line. So I probably wouldn't touch uh, the spread or the money line on this game, but the, the over, I do like if you can get, you know, a lower total on that one. Um, moving on to rush firewolves, definitely going to get some thoughts from you, Brendan, on this one, uh, in particular on the firewolves, but I'll go to you, Graham, any thoughts on this game, uh, especially with, you know, the rush kind of looking to get, you know, back above 500 and the firewolves are still looking for the first win. Yeah, the rush have been, um, notoriously slow starters in the last few years. Um, the year after they went, uh, I think they started the year 15 and 0 and went to the championship game. They started the next season two to, or, or zero and two or zero and three or something like this, and people thought, okay, the, the dream's over. But they they recovered very well. So mm-hmm. a slow start for the rushes is, is probably not not a, that big a deal. Uh, they're still um, a powerful enough team that uh, they can certainly pull things together. Uh, the Firewolves are a little more of a question mark, uh, just because they they uh, there was a fair bit of, of turnover from last year. Uh, and now they're trying to get uh, Ryan Banesh into uh, the fold and get him to learn their plays and, and learn who he's playing with and, and get to know them. Uh, and sometimes there can be a bit of a, uh, a learning curve. Now, he's he's been around long enough that uh, I'm sure he, he will have minimal problems sitting in and, and learning new, uh, 
new routines and such. Uh, it's just a question of, of chemistry with the people that he may never have met before. You know, absolutely. And it's it's tough, too, because it's not like, you know, in other sports leagues where they can get, you know, a full week of practice in after getting traded, you know. Um, it's really probably just this Friday practice that he's been able to, you know, mesh with the team. So we'll, we'll look to see. But, again, he's a veteran in this league, I think, 17 years now. So I think he'll, he'll do all right. But what are your thoughts, Brendan, on um, the addition of Banesh to this offense? Yeah, I think what uh, – I think Brad Challoner said this earlier in the week in a tweet. I think he was spot on. Like, he – Banesh fits exactly what they need as far as a, a lefty that does not let the ball sit in his stick all that long. Like he gets it out quickly and that will fit right into what Daryl Gibson wants on offense. Mm-hmm. Just having a chance to get to know Gibby over the years. I mean, he wants he wants that ball humming around, right? And creating high high percentage opportunities um in close. So I think it's I think it's a great ad. Um of course, the elephant in the room is it feels a little panicky, right? Because they're only two games in. Um, I just feel like, like, like kind of to Graham's point there, they haven't had a lot of time together, not to mention what you just said about about not getting practice time. But that, that's why I felt the buys early in the week, uh, early in the season, rather, were not beneficial for this group just to get some reps under themselves. So I think it gives them a spark and... Hopefully they mean it when they say the the goalie fight thing, which is now feels like forever ago. I hope they they mean it when they say it, it helps kind of galvanize them and gives them a little energy. But um, it's certainly uh, it's certainly an opponent that is feeling themselves as well, right? With Sask because Sask was in jeopardy, looked really close to starting zero and three, which would have been unprecedented. Uh, so they're gonna get they're gonna get their full effort coming in there. Um, if 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 I almost said New England, if Albany's going to have any um, success, also offensively, they they've got to basically I think keep play keep away um, from Mike Messenger because if you don't, he'll play keep away from you. And um, I don't think there's much stopping of Mark Matthews, right? You can only contain him, so they can limit the damage Matthews does. Uh, and look, and here's the other here's the other thing. I think Dougie Jameson's going to be better. Like he rarely has a night like he had against Rochester. He wasn't very good. He knows it. Um, but to be in his defense, Dougie's been Dougie was sensational last year, and he didn't have many off nights. He kept them in a lot of games they probably shouldn't have been in. Right. So I think Dougie's a lot of mulligan, and I think they know that, and he should bounce back. So it's going to be a close game, though. It's going to be competitive, I think. Absolutely. And right now the Rush are one and a half point favorites, um, despite the Firewolves being at home. Brian, any angle on the, the betting side of things in this game? Uh, yeah, I, I like the spread. I'm, I'm taking the Rush on the spread in this one. It's plus money, minus one and a half. Uh, the Rush consistently putting up 10, kind of consistently putting up 10, but the Firewolves have been a weaker offensive opponent. They've been averaging eight. I know the addition of Banesh could really uh, revitalize the offense, um, but I think I think the Rush have what they need, and like Brendan was saying, it's going to be really tough to contain uh, Matthews, especially since their defense has been letting up a lot more goals than um, the Firewolves' defense have been letting up a lot more goals than the Rush have on average. Uh, so I think that they're going to struggle a little bit in that respect. So I really like the spread for the Rush. The Rush have only covered a third of their spread so far, but – I don't think I want to hold that against them. Um, in general, for the total, uh, I, I'm leaning under, but I think this is another toss-up. This is actually kind. Of, this is on the higher end of the totals that we've seen all season. Um, and the Rush are averaging ten goals. The Firewolves are averaging eight. 
So it, it looks like it's a pretty clear under, um, but any given Sunday in the addition of Banesh could, could really spark the Firewolves offense and, and blow the top off the total, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know Parker Blake, who's not on, but our POT contributor, he really liked the under in this game as well. Um, I don't really know if I would personally touch this game. Um, again, I, I don't know enough about the Firewolves, I think, yet. We've only seen them two games. Um, we know what they were capable of when the pause happened, but now they're kind of a different team. Um, still some key pieces there for sure. So I, I don't know if I would touch this game from a betting perspective. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think the, the total is something to look at since it is one of our higher totals of the week. Moving on to the Rock at the Bandits. This is honestly my favorite matchup um, coming up just because of these two juggernauts going against each other. Um, Bandits looking to stay undefeated. Rock are looking to get their second straight win. Graham, I know you're a Rock fan. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, I'm looking forward to watching this. A, a Rock versus Bandits game is, is always a lot of fun, uh, whether it's in Toronto or Buffalo. Um, as a Rock fan, I'm I'm – Maybe not as as confident as I have been in uh, in a while, um, mainly because of who's missing. Um, obviously, Dan Dawson has been uh, named uh, onto the COVID list, so he's out. Uh, Dan, or sorry, Tom Schreiber is off the COVID list, but he's off as well. Uh, so that's two pretty big removals from the uh, the offensive side. Uh, Rod Hellyer can certainly still get it done, and you've got uh, you know Reed Reinhoven, Dan Craig, and uh, Challen Rogers can certainly uh, play some shifts on offense and and uh, be effective up there as well. Uh, but that's that's a, a couple of big losses on the offensive side. Uh, and if you look at the offense on the Bandit side, on the assumption that none of them are missing, uh, and as far as I know, uh, none of them are. But you've got Dane Smith, you've got Josh Byrne, Connor Field, Chase Fraser. Nantico, like the, the the names up there are just amazing. Um, obviously, he's got two of the best goalies uh, in the league, one of the best of all time. Uh, I think Nick Rose is having a really good season so far. Um, so the the and the the Rock have really improved their defense uh, this off season. Um, but I think the the stronger offense of the Bandits. Uh, is gonna is gonna take this one, and uh, if I were a betting man, I would probably uh, I would probably go with the Bandits. Yeah, no, I, I I was looking towards the Bandits on the money line too. I think home field advantage plays a big part in this game because you know c- certain teams they just don't really have a home field advantage as much as other teams. And Banditland is a tough place to play in. Um, obviously, you know the Rock are no stranger to playing in uh, Buffalo, but uh, yeah, that that I think you know kind of gives I think Buffalo a bit of an edge. And it's interesting because Caesars actually has um, Buffalo as the favorites, um, minus one and a half point favorites, whereas Sports Interaction actually was making the rock early on the week. I think it's still that, um, the favorites. So you could actually get Buffalo plus one and a half at home. Um, You'd have to lay minus 167, I think, when I last checked. So you have to lay a little bit. But, um, you know, if you don't like the Buffalo on the money line, I really like that play. I don't know. What's the number saying, Brian, from uh, your report on this game? Uh, really favoring Buffalo, especially after, as Graham was pointing out, two of the arguably better players. There are plenty of players on the Rock that can get it done. We saw that in the Wings game without Schreiber. A lot of people were saying, oh, no, Schreiber's gone. The offensive might be – or the advantage against the Wings might be lost, and they still managed to pull it out. So uh, I think they're really going to get tested. 
as to whether or not they can outscore this really hot Buffalo offense that's scoring on average 14 goals a game. Only two games, but still on average 14 goals is a, is a heck of a thing to have to keep up with or try to stop. So it's it's saying that the, the Bandits are looking like they have a bit of an advantage. And uh, the total is kind of like right in the middle of the distribution of totals. And I think it's really tough to gauge this one. This is a total that I wouldn't necessarily touch. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, you got Nick Rose and Matt Vincent Cage. Uh, you know, they could post some big games, but then these high-powered offenses as well could, you know, put a lot in the back of the net too. So, you know, it's kind of a toss-up for me. That's probably why it's towards the middle um, of the total. So, yeah, I probably wouldn't touch this one, uh, this total as well. Um, and we'll move to the final game of the weekend, uh, 10 p.m. game on Saturday. Panther City's going to San Diego. San Diego coming off a huge win um, with Dane Doby putting up nine points, seven goals in his return to Calgary. So they're riding that high. Panther City's still looking for their first win, but they've been competitive. Um, Brendan, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a pretty big high, right, for for what Cal- I'm, uh, geez, Calgary, uh, what San Diego's been up to. It's it's still still getting used to Dane Doby being somewhere else at this point. Um yeah, Panther City's been very competitive in their games, and I think the key—I'm I, pretty sure Casey Jackson's also to, on the COVID list now too. So that that'll be something to, to monitor as far as how they uh, fill voids too. And I'm curious to see with the layoff for the Seals. Um, I think that might be beneficial for Stotts as well, getting some more some more rest in between games. I, I got to think that that really helps. San Diego here. Um, that's a that's a really. I mean, you 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 put it in from a bigger picture standpoint. Really tough for Panther City um, to be the kind of a tough schedule here early on. Um, I, I just don't see how San Diego gets slowed down. I just think they have too many pieces on offense. Mm-hmm. And Zach Greer has been activated as well. So mm-hmm. although Casey Jackson going to the COVID protocol list, um, Zach Greer is back after missing last game. Um, and yeah, you know, I think that the Seals kind of laid an egg in that first game. Um, but then since then, I mean, they've been kind of red hot. And, um, you know, Shiliano has been playing phenomenal the past three games, even in the loss uh, the first week. So, um, yeah, it's tough for me, you know, to to bet against the Seals for sure. But they are the only team now getting two and a half points or right. having the late two and a half points. So that's the other interesting thing. What are your kind of thoughts on the spread? We've seen two and a half point underdogs uh, go 4-0 against the spread. Do you think that trend continues or do you think, uh, you know, the Seals kind of bucked that trend tonight or tomorrow night? Yeah, well, and, and the other, I guess the other way of looking at this um, is what do they look like without Banesh, right? Like they make they make a long-term call here to move your, your basically your best player um, pretty, I think that's kind of indisputable uh, offensively, or at least a leader. You know, when you these expansion teams, I think we've come to find out, like having someone who's had tenure in the league, you might not get, w's out of the gate but just guys that keep the room kind of tempered and keep your spirits high and keep things kind of uh glued together to some extent even though like like new york's a good example like they want like new york by the end of the year was playing close in games they just weren't finishing right um so what does it look like losing that presence of course it opens the door for somebody else but um i feel like that might take a game or two for them for panther city to adjust so in this spot, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate. I guess to think San Diego um, comfortably goes into the fourth quarter with a lead, and then that's the only way I could see it, you know, 
be, being close as if they get complacent, which I think they've got enough. They've got enough older guys there to realize in this league, you really can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. And Brian, what are your thoughts? You know, cause I, I know we love those two and a half point underdogs and our, our friend Dan Newbert um, also like that as uh, his bet, because, you know, not only could you get it um, at even money on sports interaction, uh, I think Caesars is plus plus one sixty to get uh Panther city plus two and a half. But, you know, do you think that's going to be enough? Um, do you think they're going to cover or do you think it's going to be, uh, you know, four and one against the spread for two and a half point underdogs? What do you think, Brian? I, this is the first week where I'm not actively advocating to take the plus two and a half, even at, even at that good deal. I think the, the removal of, you know, tied for uh, leading point getter on the team, like get, trading him away and then playing a team like a seal, like the seals, who's just been getting better and better week after week, seven goals, first week, 13, the next week, 17, the following week. It's, they just seem like they're, improve the seals seem like they're improving their team chemistry week after week um and their defense are just holding people to under 10 goals two out of three times so losing one of the guys who is going to help you get past this seals defense and goalie uh it's tough for me to argue that they're gonna lose by less than three points so i i'm the the numbers clear clearly reflect the advantage i think the seals have in this game and i think it's pretty clear cut um and because it's unclear how Panther City is going to look with Alpinesh, normally I hate talking about teams like, oh, they lost one player. There's still a whole team left. Um, but we're talking about a guy who had 12 points through, you know, two or three games. Uh, it's tough to say how their offense is going to perform, so I don't even like looking at this total, even though it is high. You know, for sure. And, uh, you know, even though it's high and you obviously have uh, two solid goaltenders playing well right now, um, especially Shiliano, uh, it, it's it's tough to, to know, you know, because this is one of the totals, I think, where you could see the Seals kind of run away with it. So do they, you know, maybe Shiliano plays really, really well, but is the Seals offense able to kind of push that over the total on their own? You know, that that's kind of where I, I would be hesitant to, to play this total as well. Um, any last thoughts on this one, Graham, from you? Uh, I, I agree with everybody else, actually. The uh, uh, Panther City has, uh, I mean, they are 0-3, um, but uh, I think it was, I think it was Brendan said that they have been competitive in all of their games. Um, so they're not, they're not going to be one of these 0 and 18 kind of teams. Uh, I don't know if they're going to finish above 500, but uh, I doubt they would. But uh, they're also not going to be getting blown out every week. Um, that said, having lost Ryan Banesh, who was was clearly the the offensive leader and uh, one of the one of the few veterans on the team, the very young team, uh, is it, not going to help them. Um, San Diego. Uh, Started off really strong a couple of years ago, um, and has, maybe they fell fell back a little bit in 2020, but not much. Uh, and then with the addition of Dane Doby, I think they're right back where they were. So, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't hesitate to to say San Diego takes this one. No, yeah, I I agree. It's tough tough for me to. Uh... Pick against a two and a half point underdog because I, I love picking them, but uh, you know this is probably the one where I think it bucks the trend a little bit. Uh, but we appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys coming on. That's going to wrap up 
uh, this week. Uh, reminder, this weekend, teams will be wearing Every Child Matters shooter shirts uh, to raise awareness for the lives lost at residential schools. And you guys can support that initiative by going to NLLshop.com or Fanatics Canada and buying a shirt. Those proceeds go to two organizations in Canada and the U.S. that are working to address the trauma caused by residential school atrocities. Uh, and if you don't know about residential schools, I recommend you go research. Turtle Island's a great resource. Um, the NLL itself has been putting out a lot of great stuff. Um, so definitely educate yourself on the issue if you're not already aware but i appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the plt preview show on twitter spaces and enjoy these nll games this week